Hey everyone, it's brother Steve Sprott here, and this episode is brought to you by MasonGearShop.com. Now, Mason Gear carries an extensive offering of Masonic t-shirts, hats, and accessories to help you show off your Masonic pride. And, for the month of September, first three Knox listeners get 20% off their orders when they use coupon code MasonGearShop357. That's MasonGearShop357 at checkout. Be sure to visit their website at www.masongearshop.com or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. On today's episode, we're covering part three of our series. We'll be discussing Masonic fact or fiction. You're listening to The First Three Knocks, a Masonic podcast in the District of York, where we discuss topics for the betterment of Masonry. The opinions discussed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not represent the views of Grand Lodge or any other Masonic body. Now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon, brethren. Happy September. Hello, hello. Happy September. That, one, that summer went pretty quick. Eh? Yeah, it went by too fast. I'm Worshipful Brother Bert Tellier here with Brother Gino Scovio and Brother Steve Sprott. We are your hosts on the First Three Knocks, and we are covering the third part of our series, uh, Masonic Fact or Fiction. So in the first series, we uh, first episode, we covered what is Freemasonry. On our last episode, we talked about how to join, and today's episode, of course, we're going to be discussing what to expect. Awesome. So, uh, Brother Scovio, there are a lot of uh, conspiracy theories, would you say, about Freemasonry out there? Uh, just a few. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> they're pretty interesting, actually. They're getting more elaborate, too. I think that's the, the interesting part. Well, with all the social media, again, sky's the limit on uh, how elaborate they can become, and uh, there are a handful out there. Yeah, I think we probably have to start with the most obvious one. So, Gino, are there goats? <laughs> the big mystery of the goat. Uh, the only goat I know is Tom Brady. <laughs> Ooh. But uh, no, I'm going to debunk that one. Uh, to my knowledge and through my experience, and I've gone quite a bit uh, beyond Craft and Blue Lodge, um, I have not seen nor have partaken in any ritual with any goats. Well, there you have it. Are so, there any animals? Uh, no. Again. I haven't seen any chickens, any goats, any horses, any. Uh, although any there might be a heads. couple of raccoons up here in the Rising uh, Sun well, Lodge, I know they. I know they get through. I the pulled ceiling. a bat out of the corner once, uh, <laughs> cleaning up the chairs there. There was a, a bat that uh, didn't make it out, and uh, it was, uh, yeah, collecting dust. <laughs> Here's another good one that uh, gets a lot of airtime: is uh, Freemasonry, the Illuminati. Oh, taking over the world. Ooh. Right? Uh, what's that? Um, Jay-Z. <laughs> New World Order, I think. It's New called. World Order. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to probably, again, 1,000% debunked that one as well. Uh, I didn't join to take over the world, but I thought, oh, maybe I'll be a part of it. <laughs> and, uh, and You were of disappointed. Course, yeah. It's like the cartoon, The Brain. <laughs> we're going Nikki to take the over the world. Uh, yeah, I've been highly disappointed on that one. <laughs> Yeah, there doesn't seem to be anything going on there. And uh, one of the best jokes I've heard uh, mentioned about our, our Freemasons taking over the world is uh, just the good parts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how about this one? Uh, it's a way of becoming rich and powerful. 
Rich and powerful. Mm. I've heard that before too. I've heard that uh, only the rich can afford to be Masons. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, again, I'm not rich and I'm a Mason. Uh, I was so. going to say, <laughs> I'm as poor as they come. Poor, <laughs> poor and powerless, maybe. Poor, that might be pettiless, <laughs> and powerless. And uh, and have uh, you profited whatsoever off Masonry since not you've at all. Uh, been a Mason in not four years, all. five years? Again, another uh, another topic uh, of that and debunking that is uh, you know I've always been told some people try to come in to network and make yeah. profit, um, but very quickly they discover Masonry is not for them and they just don't show up anymore. So well, I think the biggest thing is it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work because no. nobody cares about that. You know, no. they, you get into lodge and. Sure, we all come from different professions, and there's there's certainly a network of friends uh, working together spiritually. I guess would be a good way to say it. But there is absolutely no benefit. In fact, I would say it might even be a counter benefit being involved in Masonry because yeah. Masons hold each other to much higher standards than yeah. the general population. Yeah. So you know, earning business through Masonry might be the hardest way forward. So unlike Willy Wonka and the golden ticket, there is no golden ticket. No. I have to say that one's a great big uh, fiction. Um, how about control over politics? You hear a lot about that. Well, again, uh, I'm going to debunk that right away. Um, I think that we certainly see a handful of uh, very um, uh, high-profile people who might be Masons, but I don't think that they've gotten to where they are just because they're Mason. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, the whole thing of Masonry is becoming a better man. And so maybe for them, it might have been uh, an avenue that they could can improve themselves and better themselves. Their skill set. But uh, I, I like I do fancy politics, and it is something that I'm I've, I've put my uh, name in the ring before, and uh, I came out flat. <laughs> so <laughs> if it did, uh, I don't uh, I don't see. Uh, well, I didn't win. <laughs> yeah, there was no big benefit from it. That's for no, sure. No, huh? not at all. Yeah, no, it's uh, it kind of makes sense that a lot of leaders i'll say not even political leaders but just leaders Mm -hmm. in general uh typically come from freemasonry because the skill set that you develop in in social intercourse um planning working together leading working on committees all those experiences and skill sets allow you to be a leader absolutely essentially so it's not a huge surprise that a lot of freemasons are leaders because that's really what you're developing Exactly. And the cool thing, again, in some of the history here in this lodge, we've had uh, Sir Richard Mulock, um, a predominant uh, individual in Newmarket. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Hillary, one of the first doctors out in Dr. Hillary's region, the Dr. Yeah. Hillary's. Um, but when they were here, as much as they might have been successful in their own professions, and, and I don't believe it was through masonry itself, um, they were the same as you and I. Yeah. And that's the cool thing I like about masonry. That's the beauty of it, really, is regardless of your race, religion, creed, none of those things matter. We're all brothers. We're all on the level. Yeah. And we generally don't talk about it. I mean, this conversation right now is the most I've ever talked about politics (laughs) (laughs) with a mason. So... Yeah, I guess if you were joining Freemasonry hoping to get a political gain or a financial gain in your business... Uh, sorry to disappoint guys, but you're at the wrong place. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, uh, maybe I'll throw this one in for uh, some of the wives and spouses, but uh, is masonry really one meeting a month? <laughs> hmm. uh, I'm going to, again, uh, debunk that. It is, uh, it, it, 
It is one meeting a month, which is called a regular meeting. But then we have emergent <laughs> meetings peppered in there. We have some charities uh, and, and things that we do. Um, so like in part two, we talked how much you want to put in is how much you want to take out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say there's more than one meeting. So out of those, how many are mandatory? Uh, well, um, I guess the right answer is none, because masonry is not a mandatory fraternity. Um, it is uh, very much um, uh, encouraged that you attend your regular and certainly your emergent meetings um, to offer your support to the new candidates or, or the brethren uh, going through their degrees. But uh, masonry itself, um, like I said, it's how much you put in that you want to take out. Nothing is mandatory. Mm-hmm. It's it's strictly voluntary. And so often we have that conversation and those, I guess, struggles in, well, someone said I had to do this. No, you don't. No. You know, if you want to, do it. If you, you have to make a decision. Do it. Yeah. You have to decide and you have to prioritize. Yep. And come to the conclusion how you want to invest your time. That's a requirement of life. Absolutely. Not even a requirement of masonry. It's just a requirement of life. I would say this. There, there certainly is a lot of meetings. Uh, a lot of opportunity to attend more than one meeting would be fair to say. But the upside of those meetings or events is you get so much out of it. Yeah. And I think that's probably what drives most Masons back is the camaraderie, the new learning, connecting dots. Um, that really is the motivation for people to go. Now, I share that very openly because I, I have a missus at home as well who would like <laughs> some clarification on, is it one meeting a month? And I'm pretty sure she's come to the conclusion it's not. Yeah, so, especially uh, as of late. As of late, yeah. <laughs> Certainly in the master year, it uh, has been something else. But again, it comes back to putting priority uh, in the right places and then taking care of number one of your family. That is the most important thing. Yep. Then your profession, yep. then Freemasonry. You got it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this one. Uh, blood sacrifices. Boy, the internet's, internet's oh, pretty maybe. interesting. Huh? That's a, well, maybe yeah. because the bat was in the corner. I don't uh, know if it was like, you know, vampire style. But uh, once again, uh, I've gone uh, quite uh, uh, a journey through Craft Lodge and through uh, the York right side, almost the Templar, and never once have they drawn blood. Came out or unscathed. No, yeah. <laughs> How about uh, us being a religious organization? Would you say Freemasons are a religious organization? Again, I hear that all the time too. Um, I don't want to join anything that uh, is going to be authoritative and religious. And uh, we don't talk about religion or politics when we close that door. So I don't know where that's come from. We do have what we call the volume of the sacred law. Um, But again, to everybody who comes from a different denomination and, and does practice different religions, um, that volume of the sacred law could be any book and it's welcome to be opened at our altar. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, we, we learn from some teaching, but, uh, other than that, we're not religious. No, no. We do have a requirement that, um, you have to believe in a Supreme being. Yeah. Very simply. And I think we've mentioned this before. Um, we've had, uh, uh, a good story, I think here in York region or within Toronto district, not too long ago where a supreme being was uh was an eagle oh. uh, so the eagle feather came in because yes. it was a native um so again it doesn't even have to be uh, a book per se it's what what you as an individual believe not exactly. a, a communal belief as freemasons right and it's uh 
more to, I guess, take your oath and um, be accountable for your actions. Well said. Well said. Very well said. Uh, this next one's a little bit interesting. We often see in the uh, media and uh, certainly on the web, 33rd degree Mason. Um, what's your take on that? Uh, the 33rd, the famous 33rd degree Mason. That's the secret. Those are the secret Those guys. are the guys Those are the, the guys that are running the world and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you do have to be invited. Um, it, ultimately, I believe the invite comes from recognizing your Masonic career and what charity work you do, not just with your own lodge, but outside your own lodge. Um, there's uh, two ways uh, you can potentially get to that point. One's on the Scottish right, which certainly has you know, uh, a degree for every step that you take. So Craft Lodge and Blue Lodge is what we're a part of here at the Rising Sun and what we refer to all the time. Uh, you can only get three degrees there. Yeah. And then if you are, there are different ways and different uh, bodies that you can join. The Scottish Rite being one that could lead you to the 32nd degree where you can take on your own. And then again, you'll get a, an invite um, should you be uh, the qualified candidate that they feel would be part of the 33rd degree council. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have the York Rite side, which is uh, infamously known for the Royal Arch Masons and ultimately the, uh, the, the Knights Templar. Right. And uh, we have a, a little poster downstairs that kind of shows you your degrees. And I guess the Knights Templar sits on that same platform of the 33rd. Um, it's never been referred to, and I'm going through that right now. We've never been referred to when we go to those bodies as, you know, second, uh, 16th degree or 33rd. You're just a Royal Arch Mason. You're just a, a Knights Templar, and that's Learning that. more. Yeah. Learning more. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's an interesting one. It seems to have yeah. uh, had a lot of play and again the 33rd three uh, 33rd degree guys that i've met um they are not presidents they are not cfos ceos um they might be rich in their being but i don't see them rich materially speaking yeah um although are they you know, worshiping any devils that's what we need know, to know <laughs> no there's no worshiping of Inquiring devils or goats or blood or any of that stuff they're just regular folk like you and i and again, what's nice is as much as everybody might have different uh, paths they've chosen, Craft Lodge, you're all no more than a third degree member. Yeah. We're all on the level. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we, we had our Aurora Street sale that we attend, of course, and uh, had the opportunity to work that. And had a gentleman come up to me with one of the most beautiful conspiracy stories I have ever heard. <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah, no, you missed that one. But he he, one. he proceeded to tell me that I didn't know who Freemasons were, oh. um, which I would say I disagree because I am one and <laughs> actually master. It's funny the that lodge. they always know more about Freemasonry than you do. It is amazing. It is amazing. But his, his story was even more amazing. And he connected the dots on how the Freemasons were related to Atlantis and ancient aliens and uh, <laughs> giants from thousands of years ago, uh, all the way up to uh, Satan worshiping. And that's how we ended up running the world. So, awesome. you know, the circle, the story, the circular story that we went through was pretty spectacular. And, and from an entertainment point of view, it was great. Did you ask him to join? <laughs> <laughs> I had a hard enough time keeping up with this conspiracy, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, but none, none of that is true. Uh, I certainly have never seen any of those things come together. And, uh, 
hate to disappoint all the internet fans out there, but um, it is just the opposite of everything that's being described out there. So glad that we can have our own voice and, yeah. and tell the story that uh, is really going on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's uh, clear the secretary's desk. For the week happening September 16th, I think the uh, very first thing is uh, a big event that Zeradeth is hosting. I, I can't remember. Uh, Brother Sprott. You is there something going on at your, going on? Uh, at your going on? there, Brother Sprott? I think we're celebrating a birthday or something. <laughs> something like that. Zeradeth Lodge's 150th birthday celebration. This is going to be a huge event. We have uh, the Grand Master, uh, most worshipful, Brother David J. Cameron, who's going to be in attendance for this. And of course, the banquet is sold out. Big surprise. The guys at Zeradatha do such a great job. But uh, if you are a Mason and you'd like to come to Lodge, they definitely have room for you. So they'd love to see you there. And on the 17th, what do we got going on there? Oh, a little something going on here at the Rising Sun Lodge. Oh, it is uh, it's right here. Very, very special reception for our very own, very worshipful brother, Mike Redman, on his appointment to Grand Lodge as Grand Steward. And so at 6.30 p.m., we're going to be having a ceremony for Masons only here at the Lodge. And we'll be going back to St. Andrew's Valley Golf Club for a special reception for uh, family and friends. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, that same week on uh, Wednesday, September 18th, uh, Richmond Lodge will have their regular meeting. Um, and also uh, on uh, the Saturday, talking about Day Lodge, uh, Robertson Lodge on Saturday, September 21st will be having their meeting. Their meeting starts at 10 a.m. Great. And uh, finally, we'll get one more in here for Zeradatha, of course, is their Scotch and Cigar Night that will be coming up on uh, October 19th. And uh, Steve, you gave me some tickets tonight, so we'll be handing them out to the brethren tomorrow, of course. Uh, that's at 6.30, and that is an event that cannot be missed. It's $50 per ticket. And uh, do you have any other info you want to share on that one? Yeah, we have some Masonic vendors coming, uh, so you can pick up some swag. Uh, first three knocks will be there. Maybe we'll do a podcast. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> live. We'll go live. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're just going to have a great time. We have a whiskey expert coming in to walk us through some uh, single malt scotches. And uh, we also have a cigar vendor coming in that will be on-site selling cigars. So it should be a great night. Awesome. And then not to pull the calendar back, but again, we don't have the full details as of yet, but September 26th, I believe, another um, reception will be for the newly appointed uh, Grand Steward, uh, very worshipful uh, brother, uh, Randall Hutchinson from Tuscan Lodge. And Tuscan I was told Lodge. actually uh, just a few minutes ago on email, more details will come in the next few days. Excellent. And I believe that covers our secretary's desk. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the expectations once you become a Freemason. What uh, what has been your experience becoming a Freemason? What are the what are the? So again, uh, like I say, it's what you put in is what you get out of it. And I remember in my earlier uh, time, and, and I say earlier time, I've been a Mason now for four, going into five years. So I'm still very new at the craft. Um, and I remember in one of um, I was finally given a piece, a very small piece to, to help with the ritual. Wasn't going through the actual degree myself. And I remember saying to one of the senior guys, well, I hope it meets your expectations. Um, and they said, no, you're wrong. It's on your own expectation. Right. You know, 
So again, I didn't know much because I didn't have any family members who were Masons and I didn't have that history in my family, in my bloodline anyway. I'm still looking to see if there's anything or anybody there, but uh, I can't seem to find or locate that. So uh, my expectations were, um, I guess, unknown and, uh, and it was just a, a full mystery. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my initiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the hard work that I saw my new brothers put in and deliver some really good ritual and and work. So that kind of laid a good foundation for me to kind of follow that example, follow that example. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you go to some other lodges and they don't have the same, uh, I I don't know, level of work. Um, And it very well could be just, you know, as a master, as you know, something happens at the 11th hour and they got to fill in and, and they might not be, you know, so polished. Um, so again, uh, here at the rising sun for me, it's been really good, uh, being a part of it because we do have a level and a standard that has been created and, uh, and I'm seeing all the newer guys living up to those nice levels and standards. And mm. it's not, you know, I don't think it's a, not achievable, but just, again, it's part of masonry, right? Being a better man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so far it's been great. I think there's there's really some higher expectations. I mean, I've said this in other episodes before, and it's definitely been my experience. Some of the some of the more seasoned brothers at the Rising Sun are a good example, but expectations are that you do know your stuff yeah. and you've spent time working, and yeah. and that comes back to Masonic values, uh, which really is to to go to work. Mm-hmm. That is the expectation is to go to work. I, I heard a great story. I attended a um, seminar down in Richmond Hill. And there was a brother there who was giving a protocol and etiquette um, seminar on the first degree. And so this was a much more experienced brother who was from Grand Lodge. And he was explaining the first time he went through and did his junior warden lecture. And for those who, who are involved in masonry and know the junior warden lecture, it is a very big piece. Yep. It's a lot of memory work, a lot of activity involved in it. And it's, it's probably the biggest challenge that uh, a mason faces in their their career in Blue Lodge. There's more, but yep. of course, that's one of the big one ones. One of the big ones. And he was talking about going through a very difficult period of time in his life. He had lost his job. His wife was an alcoholic. Um, she was needing to be committed. And he was learning the junior warden's lecture huh. for Lodge. The I perfect mean, storm. The perfect storm, yeah. right? And so he, he goes into Lodge one night and there's a practice and of course, he's kind of down in the dumps and he's going through a difficult time and he's talking to some of the senior brethren and, and telling the story and they, they feel very, you know, they're empathetic for his, for his plight. And so he's there he's, and he says, I'm almost in tears. My, my hands, <laughs> my head is in my hands. And uh, the last thing on my mind is the junior warden's lecture. And then one of the brother puts his arms around me and says, that's great, but uh, how's, how's your junior warden's lecture? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, <laughs> then it hit me that the expectations are just higher. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing because through that difficulty and that work comes big reward. Absolutely. So his point that he shared in that speech, of course, was go to work. Yeah. Get it done. <laughs> Get it done. Get it done. Um, some of the other things that kind of stick out for me in terms of, of what to expect with Freemasonry is Get yourself involved. Um, you'll find if you join, when you join, 
that you may feel somewhat isolated because mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on. I think, Steve, you said it earlier in, in one of the other episodes, the confusion as to what's happening. You know, you've mentioned that in your experience as yeah. well, what's happening. But it, it, it's almost the precursor for you to get yourself involved. You know, it's not, it's not as simple as somebody just coming to take you by the hand saying, okay, let's do all this together. You, you need to step up. Yeah. You need to step up because the expectations are higher. Yeah. And if you want to be a better version of yourself, that is required. It teaches, uh, it teaches you to just get out and ask, you know, again, like no silly question is a stupid question at all. Um, and when you really don't know what's going on in the very beginning, um, we have our lives and are leading them also. And we sometimes might forget that you are so new and don't know what to ask. So therefore we forget sometimes to remind you of the things that you might be wanting to work on or looking at ahead in your career. So, you know, um, if you're waiting for someone, like you said, to hold your hand and, and carry you along, it's not going to come. Yeah. Uh, it'll, you get some gentle reminders and some pushes here and there, but, uh, but ask. Uh, and so that I could certainly give the biggest advice to any new Masons out there is don't be afraid to ask as a brother, even for the very first time as an initiate, uh, we're always here for you. Yeah. And, and that again was uh, something our, our current senior warden, Mark Ogley said to me, you'll get it when you get the third degree, you're never a burden to your brothers. Call, email, text push push us <laughs> ask us yeah we're here for you if you don't ask we don't know you have a question yeah you know or we don't know that you might be stuck on something so just hope, please lean on us and then again the magic aha yeah came in that third degree well that, that raises a point for me that i think is very critical for for people who are getting into masonry is the importance of working with others that doesn't come easily no that shouldn't be easy. You're supposed to earn it. Yeah. You're supposed to, to feel some discomfort from it. I mean, the best way I would describe it is going into kindergarten and leaving your mother for the first time, <laughs> wow. right? Like, what a, what a tough experience. You don't know anybody. You've never been to this place. You don't know what's expected. And here you are trying to figure it out. And, of course, what happens? You make a couple of friends. You play a few games. And then it becomes your lifelong learning experience. Yep. I would say Freemasonry is the same. And the interesting thing about Freemasonry is that everyone's going through at their own level, in their own way. And even the senior brethren are continually learning. I mean, we have guys in our lodge in their 80s and 90s who are still working on pieces, still climbing that mountain, just going for it, right? And they're not thinking about the confusion that an entered apprentice is going through when they come into the building because they've forgotten all that. But they're still working on stuff that they're trying to figure out because that's their path. Yeah. Not everybody else's path. They're not the same. And I love that about Freemasonry. That's a great point. You're, yeah. you're on a personal journey together. Yep. I mean, what, what more beautiful could it be? It's your own journey on your own way, but um, millions of brethren have gone through the same rituals. Yes. And that's, for me, again, a cool aspect of it, that, you know, anywhere in the world, at any time within uh, when it was we've all gone through the same first, second, and third degree. You know, not much has changed in the tradition of those rituals uh, over the many years, but uh, it's, it's, that blows my mind, you know. Yeah. Our experience here in Aurora, Ontario, Knoxbridge, and Boston, Massachusetts, uh, Arizona, England, Australia, all the same, all the same. Some slight variations to the ritual, but really not much. Yeah. Really not much. 
Well, I hope we've, we've given our audience a good overview of what is Freemasonry. I think we covered a lot of space, a lot of important subjects, and uh, it kind of brings me to the point that if you want to learn more about Freemasonry, we've given you some resources in episode two, whether it's a Grand Lodge website, uh, yorkdistrict.ca is another one, the T-Map we talked about, Netflix yep. inside Freemasonry, and of course, don't forget if you want to learn more, reach out to us directly here on the show at the first three knocks at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the first three knocks. Happy to meet, sorry to part, happy to meet again.